Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Good morning. Welcome to church. I am happy to bring the word to you today, and I'm excited for this word. Uh, I believe at its core, it's a message that will get us excited about Jesus. It's a message that will encourage us to uh, make that transition that Leslie was just talking about, where we give everything over to him for what he has for us. I'm really excited about it. Uh, For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Adam. I am uh, the associate pastor here, and uh, I also oversee the media department. Uh, My wife, Leslie, oversees the women's ministry here, and we have four wonderful kids, Austin, Evan, Dylan, and Michaela. Uh, We have an awesome family, so I I hope you know some of my kids, because they are awesome. Um, So, like I said, I'm excited for this message. Uh, This message is called, His Name Shall Be Called. Um, Today is the first day of Advent, and I love celebrating Advent. This is not something that we did uh, as a household growing up. Um, It's new to to me really since coming here, but I love that we take this season and focus on uh, the anticipation of the greatest gift that was ever given to mankind. And then now we, having that gift, get to anticipate the second return of Christ. Amen? It's awesome. Um, So this message, I'm going to be focusing on one verse, Isaiah 9-6. It's a verse many of us are aware of, we, we uh, are familiar with. We read it this morning um, to kick off our Advent season. It's a, a, a verse that you'll see during Christmas on ornaments and on Christmas cards, and then you won't hear it a whole lot during the year. But my hope is today that this, uh, this verse gets very excited to celebrate Jesus during this time. And uh, it's something that we already, we already do during Christmas, right? He's the reason for the season. We celebrate him, but I want to just dive in even deeper and get excited about this. You know, uh, I believe that this word, this verse is a a word and a verse for this season being Advent, this season being Christmas, but even more so this season being 2020. You know, this is a crazy year. We all know that. I don't think in any other year in my lifetime could you throw out anything and people would be like, well, yeah, it's 2020. I mean, I think if somebody came up and said, hey, did did you see they discovered sharks have grown legs and now roam the land eating people? People would be like, Yeah, it's 2020. Like, it wouldn't even be a surprise to anybody at this point, right? So 2020, if you remember way back at the beginning of the year, there was a lot of prophecy over this year being a year of vision, clarity of vision for the church. And it was going good, it was going strong, and then March came. And it went crazy. And the church is trying to figure out what the church looks like now. We had months of being strictly online. We have many churches that are meeting in homes. We, have, we were back in person for a couple months. We had to take a weekend off a couple weeks ago, right? So it feels like maybe we missed it with those prophecies. Maybe that word wasn't for the church this year. But I don't think that's the case. I think what God is doing is he is saying, I am shaking everything that can be shaken in the world so that we can have clarity of vision on Jesus. We can be clear in our vision on what really matters, what matters to us and what matters to the world. Amen? And so that's, the, that's what we're going into when we look at this verse. So let's go ahead and read it. Isaiah 9, 6, NIV, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I love Christmas. 
I love that the whole world refocuses on God. It's almost like he tricks the world into doing it, but I'm not gonna say that because I know God wouldn't trick them into focusing on him. But you can be out anywhere. You can be at places that typically would be either apathetic to the message or in some cases you'll be at a store or something like that that might be actually kind of anti-gospel most of the year. But during the Christmas season, because of our culture, you'll hear Christmas music playing overhead. And some of those stores might take the lyrics out because they don't want to offend anybody. Some of them leave them in there. But if you're out shopping and you're like my wife, you'll be at Macy's or you're like me and you'll be at Best Buy. You'll be walking through the store in Christmas season and you'll hear songs like We Three Kings. Right, a song that's talking about the wise men who are coming to give gifts to the newborn Messiah. You'll hear songs like Little Drummer Boy, a made up song, but it's a song about a little kid who comes to honor the newborn Messiah with the only thing he has to offer, which is his gifts and talents, which isn't that what God asks of us anyways. Or if you're really lucky, you'll hear a song like Mary, Did You Know? All right, this is the gospel wrapped up in a song. Mary, did you know that this child that you deliver will one day deliver you? Did you know that this child is gonna bring a sight to the blind? He's gonna raise the dead. Did you know that this child that you deliver is the great I am? These are the songs that we get to hear in stores and on the radio and all around during Christmas. I love the Christmas season. Last year, I was helping a friend out. He has a major client and they, they have a big sales uh, gathering each year. And we were down at the Gaylord around Christmas time. And uh, we were doing this event for them and they basically took over one whole section of the Gaylord one night. And they had a big party we got to be a part of. And we got to go in and view this ice display. I don't know if anybody has seen this. It's pretty awesome. I have a couple of photos. You walk in, it's the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the whole thing's carved out of ice. And you walk into this building. I love cold weather. I hate heat. If, if there's anything my wife and I fight about more than anything, it's the temperature in our car. When we got a new one, I told her the only thing I care about is that we have dual zone climate control. And there are times when hers will be all the way on high and mine will be all the way on low, all right? But you walk into this place and they give you a parka. It's like nine degrees. You walk in and they've got the whole sculpture of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the whole story sculpted out. It's really cool. And, uh, and people pay to see this, by the way. They're going in, they want something festive. They want something that reminds them of simpler times. And so they're, they're walking through this whole thing. And what I love is you get towards the end and you turn the corner and you see a 12 foot tall sculpture of the angel that brought the greatest news that we've ever heard. And then the last thing you see before you turn is a full, well, larger than life nativity scene. So people are paying money to, to go hear the gospel story. I'll tell you what, I would have cried in that moment if it wasn't nine degrees and I didn't want my eyes to freeze open like the daughter in uh, the Christmas vacation. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to hold them in there. I love Christmas. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. If you attended Harmony Brown's spiritual gifts class a couple weeks ago, you would have heard her say, God couldn't make scripture infinitely long, so he made it infinitely deep, right? He couldn't make it infinitely long because we never would have known the end of the story, but he could make it infinitely deep. How many of you know that each week we could get up here and just share a message about God's love and we would never get to the end of that message? It's so simple. God is love, but it's infinitely deep. So today we're gonna to look at this one verse, we're gonna dive in and we're gonna hopefully uncover some levels of that depthness in scripture and in this prophecy of what this child will be called, what his name will be. 
So I wanna start by saying, let's, let's take a look at the, the time when Isaiah would have said his name shall be called. Right, names during that time of our history meant something. Um, sometimes they were uh, some form of a relative, somebody else had been named that, but many times the name was basically like the essence of who that person was, right? So uh, Adam, for instance, Adam means of the earth from the ground, right? God breathed into the soil mankind. He breathed his spirit into the soil and formed mankind. Adam means from the ground. What about Esau? He was a twin, Genesis 25, 25, it says, the first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. It means hairy, <laughs> right? It is who he was. They saw him and they named him that. What about Abraham? Father of a multitude. His name was Abram and God said, you shall be called Abraham because you are gonna father a multitude of people, a nation so great that they cannot be counted. He changed his name to Abraham. How many of you remember that song as a kid that we'd sing in children's church, Father Abraham? Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So, right? And then to keep the kids in, in, in involved, for some reason it was like right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. And you'd stand there for like 10 minutes doing this. My kids don't understand what worship was like 20 years ago. <laughs> Abraham, I'll tell you one thing, that song taught me that he was a father of many people. <laughs> what about Jesus? Salvation. It's the essence of who Jesus is. He is our salvation, amen? So when Isaiah gave the name, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, he was saying this child that will come, this Messiah, this is who he will be. So we're gonna dive into this name a little bit today. And I wanna look at the Hebrew and if you're a Hebrew scholar, I apologize. I know I'm gonna mispronounce this and I'm gonna be saying it over and over and over again. It's probably gonna just irritate you. Uh, but uh, please forgive me <laughs> and hear what the Lord has to say today. So the Hebrew on this is Pele Yoetz El Gibor Aviad Sar Shalom. Pele Yoetz El Gibor Aviad Sar Shalom. So I wanna look at each one of those and dive in there a little bit and pull out some of that depth. So the first name, the first part of that name I wanna look at is Wonderful Counselor, Pele Yoetz. Coming from Pele, meaning wonderful, a miracle, a marvel, a wonder, and Yoetz, meaning counsel and advise, plan and execute. All right, two levels of depth here I wanna look at. The first one being Wonderful Counselor. I think what we would all think, what I thought when I read Wonderful Counselor. He's gonna bring you wonderful counsel. Miraculous counsel. Pele counsel. Pele is the same word that the Israelites used when they crossed the Red Sea and they were singing a song of celebration and they looked back and they said, look at this miracle that God has performed for us. That level of miracle. I bet you if we were on Family Feud and people were like, can you name, what are the top 10 miracles in the Bible? That one would probably be in there. <laughs> that level of miracle is the level of counsel that Jesus can bring to us when we invite him into a situation. He is our wonderful Pele counselor. He can take a situation that is meant for death and he can bring life with his counsel, amen? Think about the situation when there was a group of men who were about to stone to death a woman who was caught in adultery. And by the law, they felt they were justified. And Jesus came in and he said, hold on, hold on, I have some counsel to give you on this. Why don't, um, why don't you, the one who doesn't have any sin, you without sin, cast the first stone. How's that for some wonderful counsel? 
And these men dropped their stones because they knew, you know, Harry over there, <laughs> he, uh, he knows me. He knows that last week I sinned. So if I throw the first stone, that's not gonna look very good. So drop the stone and, and they all probably looked inward and they all thought about their friends and what they know of them. They dropped their stones. And Jesus walks over to this girl, Jesus, who said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Jesus was without sin, but he didn't cast the first stone. He said, where are your accusers? Well, then neither do I accuse you now go and sin no more. I believe that Jesus' counsel brought life in two different ways. Physically, he could have saved that woman from death because she was about to be stoned and you can die from that. And I think spiritually, when he looked her in the eyes and says, I don't accuse you, this is not who you are. Go and sin no more. He brought life to her. She was free from a sin that she was living in. Free to become the woman that he had called her to be and created her to be. Amen? Guys, if you're in a situation that looks like it's headed towards death, invite our wonderful counselor into that situation. Ask Jesus, what level of Pele counsel do you have for me? If you're in a situation someone has spoken something over your health where it looks like death, bring in the wonderful counselor. If you're in a situation in your marriage where you're like, it's done, it's dead, bring in the wonderful counselor. Guys, I'm telling you, by his grace and his goodness, he can restore marriages. My wife and I are an example of that. We're a testimony of that. He's our wonderful counselor. The second level, and I got really excited about this one. He's our wonderful, miraculous, Yoetz planner and executor. As soon as I read that, I thought of when Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus, walking in his identity, said, I am the one who comes to execute the law of my father. And when I'm on the cross and I say it is finished, it is finished. Amen? Because I'm the executor of my father's plan. And it wasn't a plan that he came up with last minute because he was like, whoa, I don't know what happened with mankind. I've got to fix this somehow. It's a plan that he had in place since the beginning of time. Jesus was the executor of that plan in a miraculous way when he became our penalty for sin when he was sinless. What about Hebrews 12, 12? In the amplified version, it says, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter, planner and executor of our faith. The first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity. When we say he is our wonderful counselor, this is what we're saying. And it ties some things together in the life of Jesus, doesn't it? He is our wonderful counselor and he is also our mighty God. Mighty coming from uh, El meaning God and Gibor meaning mighty. Now, when I looked at this, I found some, some people that said the, the root of Gibor is GBR or in some translations that even it was G-A-B-A-R, Gabar. But either one, they, they had one B. And, and some, uh, some people that I was looking at, some scholars said that when they wanted to emphasize something, they would add a letter. So it's as if to say, instead of just G-B-R or G-A-B-A-R, he's G-I-B-B-O-R. He is the mighty God, the mighty, mighty God. It also means warrior. He's that kind of God. He will fight for us. When Saul was being persecuted by an evil spirit and he was being tormented by it, and he said, I need some help. In 1 Samuel 16, 18, it says, one of his servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. That word warrior is gibar, gibor. 
Jesus is a warrior. So when he's in John 16, 33, this verse was already one of my favorite verses, but when I read it in this context, it got me even more excited to focus on Jesus. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I, your mighty, mighty God have overcome the world. Amen. This is who we get to celebrate this year, this season. This is who we get our peace from. This is who we need to remain focused on. What about Colossians 2.15? I want to read it from the NIV and then read it again from the message. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross, our mighty, mighty God. I love the way the message says it because it just puts it, there's no question here how mighty our God is. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and he marched them naked through the streets. Amen? This is the mighty God who we get to serve. This is the mighty God that Isaiah was telling us about, that he will be a Pele-level miraculous counselor, planner and executor of God's plans, and a mighty, mighty God who will fight for us, overcome the world, and march the sham authorities naked through the streets. What about uh, everlasting father? Ab meaning father, odd meaning everlasting. There's also, uh, I saw it, Ab, A-B, like Abba, father. I want to look again at the context of when Isaiah would have, would have uh, put this prophecy out there. Because I think father meant something different than it does today. Today we're told that uh, maybe fathers don't matter very much. Mothers, you know, they're interchangeable. There's not a uniqueness to the, to the, uh, the role of a father or a mother. Can I just stop here and say, I am thankful to God that we have a pastor who will preach the word of God to us every week. And if you have not, amen, amen. If you have not heard Pastor Kurt's series, uh, Has God Said, go listen to it. Every message is fantastic. But there's one where he talks about there being two genders where God created a man and a woman with specific gifts and abilities and roles. He also talks about, in another uh, message, the power of the, the family, the way God designed it to be, the nuclear family. Okay, the, a father and a mother are supposed to have roles. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're in a situation where the father or the mother is not in there, that God can't be fighting for you as your mighty God and be a, a wonderful counselor who gives you counsel on how to parent in that situation. Please do not be condemned when I say this, but there is a role that a father is supposed to have. Okay, a father is supposed to provide provision, protection, and promises like inheritance and destiny. So when Isaiah said, you have an everlasting father, he says, you have a, a provider, a protector, and someone who will give you inheritance and destiny that will not end. It's for eternity. It's forever. Psalm 139, 13. For you created me in my, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that very, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Every one of our days was ordained and written in God's book. And he is eternally protecting those days. Every one of us has an inheritance that cannot be taken away. Every one of us has a purpose and a destiny that God has spoken over us. 
If you feel like uh, the enemy has tried to rob that destiny, if you've had somebody speak over your life something that is in contrast to what God has spoken over your life, you need to say, I need my everlasting father to speak truth to me right now. I need you to remind me that I have an everlasting inheritance, an everlasting destiny and promise in you that cannot be taken away. It cannot be robbed because you are protecting it forever because you are my everlasting father. Prince of Peace. I'll try to get through this one without crying because this service just felt like it was leading towards this one here. And I just want to clear the room, the elephant in the room right now. For those of you who know me, you know I hate the taste of water. And yes, this is water. (laughs) It's hot up here. (laughs) Prince of Peace, Tsar, meaning prince or ruler, and shalom, meaning peace. If you go to Israel today, you might hear somebody say to you, shalom. It's a way of saying kind of hello or even goodbye. It's kind of a blessing. But there's actually some depth to that as well. Shalom means may all that you need for your well-being today come to you this day. May everything you need for your well-being today come to you today. So Isaiah was saying, this child, this Messiah, will be the ruler of everything you need for your well-being. He will be your prince of peace. So when Leslie got up and said, there's an exchange happening today, God wants you to give what you have, all of what you have for all of what he has. He wants to be the ruler of your peace. There might be somebody in here who has tried to rule your own peace and you weren't designed to do that. You need to hand your peace over to the ruler of peace, the man who was intended to rule your peace, to rule your well-being. How can the church be a light in the year, like a year like 2020? We can walk in a peace that surpasses understanding because it's not ours to hold on to. We hand it over to the ruler of our peace. You lost your job. How can you be so peaceful about it? I, I don't have to worry about it. God's in control. Jesus, my prince of peace, is ruling my peace. My job wasn't ruling my peace. Right? Your marriage seems to be on the rocks or you're, you're having problems with your kids or this relationship's bad. How are you so peaceful? Because I don't rule my peace. Jesus is the ruler of my peace. Amen? So when I read that and I dove into that a little bit more, it got me excited about Acts 17, 28. It helped me see that in a little bit of a new light. In him, we move and we live and we have our being. We have our being because he's the ruler of our well-being. Amen? Peace is really important in our household. It's something that we attain for, we strive for. We know it's not ours to create, but we invite the Prince of Peace into our home. And we've had some situations where family members who weren't believers have stayed with us and at the end of their time with us, they've sat down at our kitchen table and they've just looked at us and said, your house is just so peaceful. And I just smile. (laughs) Because I know that they are experiencing the presence of the Lord in that moment. It's not us, guys, it's not us. We have teenagers. (laughs) We have a dog that's pretty crazy. Sometimes my wife and I will get on each other's nerves, which those of you who know us know that what I meant to say was sometimes I will get on Leslie's nerves (laughs) because she is perfect. 
<laughs> it's not us, guys. It's not us. It's not us that they're experiencing in our house. It's the ruler of peace in our home because we've handed the peace of our home over to him. Amen? Later on in Isaiah, it goes on to say in 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Like I said, this is, this is a word for the Advent season. It's a Christmas scripture. It's a word for Christmas, but I think it's a word for 2020. How do we be a church that is kept in perfect peace? Because our minds are steadfast. They aren't pulled apart from, well, what we're about is being something that we do this every weekend and we can't do that now. So we're all shaken up. Or, uh, you know, or whatever it may look like. This is a year where we're just letting all that stuff fall off. And we're saying, God, we believe your word at the beginning of 2020 when you said you will give us clarity of vision. And that clarity of vision is Jesus. We will remind, remain steadfast. Our minds will remain steadfast on you. And we will stay and keep in perfect peace because of that. All right. The last thing I want to point out, read this verse one more time. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When I read this in the Hebrew, I didn't see commas, I saw dashes. Pele Yoetz, El Gibor, Abiyad, Sar Shalom. It's not his names, it's his name. It's not like some of us will have the privilege of knowing him as wonderful counselor. Some of us will have the privilege of knowing him as a mighty God. Some as an everlasting father and some as a prince of peace. You can't break it up, guys. It's his name. Pele Yoetz El Gibor Abiyad Sar Shalom. He is our wonderful uh, counselor, miraculous counselor, planner and executor of God's plans who will fight for us, who gives us destiny and inheritance and protects it eternally and is the ruler of our, our peace. Amen? Amen? I feel like the last month or so, our messages here at City Lights have been like refocusing on Jesus. Who is it that we love? Who is it, that, where does our joy come from? How do we protect that? How do we not get pulled aside in times of adversity? We remain steadfast. We keep our minds steadfast on God, on Jesus. I hope that this message encourages you. I hope that it gets you excited. I hope that it reminds you through this season to focus on Jesus. Because there's part of me that is surprised, probably as it is every year. It's like, I can't believe we're in December already. This is crazy. But there's another part of me, if I'm honest with you, that feels like this year just stopped in March. And we were kind of robbed of everything afterwards. And so it's easy to focus on the elections. It's easy to focus, focus on the economy. It's easy to focus on what is opening and what is closing. It's easy to focus on a disease that is uh, killing people. And it's easy to focus on the response that isn't helping. We need to be purposeful in saying we're not gonna focus on that. We're gonna do what the song reminds us to do. And we're gonna lift our eyes to Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. Let the things of earth grow strangely dim. Strangely because it is not normal for them to look dim. 
The rest of the world's freaking out about it. But we're looking at Jesus and we're saying, your glory is all we need. Your face is all we need. Your presence, God, is all we need. We had a worship night on November 3rd, on the election night. And I'll be honest, it didn't go how I thought it was gonna go. It was awesome. But I anticipated that there would be more intercession. We'd have people up here praying over specific elections, over specific, uh, the votes on, on certain um, uh, 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 measures and different things like that. Sorry, I just drew a blank on that word. Um, we didn't have, we had some of that. We didn't have a whole lot of it. It was more worship. We came in as a church and we focused on Jesus. And I just kept hearing all night long, the first part of 2 Chronicles seven fourteen: If my people who are called by my name, humble themselves, pray and seek my face. And it goes on to say, turn from their wicked ways, I will heal their, heal their land. But I felt like God was just saying, my people, this church, city lights, they're called by my name, they're humbling themselves, they're praying and they're seeking my face and it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay because we're doing what we're supposed to do. And the world will know it's okay because we're focusing on who we need to focus on, amen? So I hope that that was an encouraging word to you, not just a, a Christmas season word. Thank you for letting me share it. I wanna speak to those of you in the room or maybe online that you don't know this Jesus. Maybe you haven't come into relationship with him yet. And you're wanting to give up trying to rule your own peace and you want to hand it over to the Prince of Peace who was meant to rule it for you all along. God wanted us, he created us to be in relationship with him. But man, we had a choice because it wouldn't have been a relationship if he forced us into it, amen? It wouldn't have been a relationship if we were forced to be in it. So we had a choice and we made the wrong one. And sin entered the world and sin separated us from God. And God had a plan. And that plan was a miraculous executor <laughs> named Jesus. And he gives us a choice to make. And it's very, very simple and it's infinitely deep. You can pay the penalty for your sin or you can accept that Jesus already did. That's it. He offered himself as a sacrifice. A sinless man offered himself as a sacrifice to take on your sins and my sins and every other person's sins so that we could come back into relationship with God. And we wanna give you an opportunity to say yes to that invitation today. We want to give you, to give you an opportunity to, for that exchange that Leslie was talking about, to give up everything you have for everything God has for you. And trust me, it's way, way better. It's Pele level better. It's miraculous. You can live a life that you never thought you could live. And we want to give you that opportunity. You guys hear us do this every week and it's not just because it's something that we do. It's because that we, we love Jesus and we want you all to know him the way that we know him. So if that's you, I just ask you would raise your hands so that I know. I'm just gonna say a quick prayer. I wanna know if I'm praying for anybody. If you're online, I would love it if you would put it in the chat and just say that, that you are hearing this, that you're responding to this. We wanna know so that we can connect with you. 
can also let us know at citylights.church. But let's close our eyes and let's pray. Let's just say, Jesus, we recognize that you are the ruler of our peace. We recognize that you are our salvation. Lord, we, we hand over the lordship of our lives to you. We give you everything we are for everything you are. simple, guys. It's simple. And it's so deep. <laughs> I had the opportunity last year, the uh, last couple of years, I was uh, heading up a TV station for a retirement community. And from time to time, I would get to do a devotion for them. And a lady stopped me in the hall one day and, and uh, she said, every time I see you on the station, I, I didn't know, you know, I heard a lot of you talk too fast. <laughs> There's a lot of that. Uh, can't understand you. <laughs> but she said, when I see you on, on the TV, and she, she didn't know what to say. She just looked at me. She said, you can tell you love your Jesus. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that, again, I just want you all to love Jesus as much as I do. So I hope that this message today maybe gave you some insight to a, a scripture that you've maybe glanced over. I know I had before. I had seen it and been like, okay, yes, I've been saying this since I was a little kid. It's Christmas season again. But since I've read that, I have been excited to just purpose myself to focus on Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us and we hope you have a blessed week.